0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Wendell, CEO of the Experience Agency, D-Flash. Each week I bring a different person from business and entrepreneurship who's doing some game-changing work, and this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Erica Keswin, who is the author of Bring Your Human to Work, and an upcoming new book on rituals, on the show, especially now in this time of we're all kind of home during the, the coronavirus scare here in the U.S., it's good to understand about humanity and working and how that all interplays so well. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Take a listen. Hey,
1: Erica. Hello, Laura. So good to see you.
0: Likewise. It's good to see a friendly face in this neck of the woods. Although we should be drinking red wine at this point, but I know. Next time when I see you. Um, but, uh, you know, even though we are all on lockdown in different places, the podcast stays the same. So Erica, what was your first job?
1: So my first job, I don't even know if you know this about me. I was a gymnast for no, I did not 80, know this. years um, and almost did gymnastics in college. I got hurt right, right before that. So, but my first job, my dad had actually made me a balance beam out of wood and my neighbor and I. I was 10 years old. We had a bunch of mats and this balance beam that my dad made me. We, did, we held gymnastics classes for all the kids in the neighborhood. Wait, at 10? 10 years old. How in the world? Wait, one, Did you charge people? Yes.
0: <laughs> this is amazing. So wait, where, where did you I started
1: off? doing gymnastics when I was five. So by the time I was 10, you know, I knew. You were an, you an, an all-star. Yeah. So wait.
0: So where did you grow up? Where was this? In
1: Connecticut. We did it in Milford, oh. Connecticut. Wow. We would have a show at the end of the summer to showcase what all of our little little ones had learned. Wait, how did you charge? Oh my God, I do not remember. You know, twenty-five cents,
0: <laughs> something like that. And so you'd be like, if you pay me twenty-five cents, you can go and do like a routine in the balance sheet.
1: Yeah, well, we had, we had a class, so you can sign up for the Tuesday class, and we had a bunch of little students that would come, and we would, we would do classes. Wow. Everybody would get in a line and walk on the beam, or, you know, do it do a turn, do a scale, learn how to point your toes.
0: Oh my gosh, that's amazing, and so industrious.
1: <laughs> I was an entrepreneur very young.
0: Uh, seriously, at 10, Okay. Uh, So you were messing around, even from age 10, like changing the way people do stuff. So how in the world did we get to be sitting here having this chat? Like, What was your journey from being a gymnast at 10 uh, (laughs) to uh, being one of my favorite wine wine buddies?
1: Um, So... What I would say to that question is, and you you know me, but for those listening who who don't know me, you know, if you talk to people who knew me back when I was running the gymnastics classes, or in college, or in business school, or in my work life where we met, and say, you know, what is one word that you would use to describe Erica? Um, you can only pick one. The word the word would be connector. And so I've always been somebody who has loved connecting people you know I've in my one of my side hustles is setting up people I've set up three marriages which in the Jewish religion means I'm already going to heaven I (laughs) (laughs) worked but you haven't set me up yet I know it's on my list I um worked in executive recruiting connecting great people to to jobs for a long time and so it's just been in my blood And so I've always worked on the people side of business. Um, You know, I was probably drawn to that given my nature and I describe that as helping companies improve their performance through people. So I've worked in coaching and recruiting and performance management and looking at how companies should design um, themselves to be able to attract and retain the best people. And from, to get from there to where I am now, I'll share one story, which I think, you know, really summarizes it in 1998. I was working in executive recruiting and I got a BlackBerry, my first phone. And I was engaged to my now husband, Jeff, and he asked if I could go with him on a trip to Bermuda. And I said, well, I don't have any vacation days, I was saving them for our wedding. But I had this device, 1998, handy dandy, you know, BlackBerry. And I said, you know what, I could go with you to Bermuda and actually work from there. And yes, this dates me, I'm 51, <laughs> and uh, okay. And I remember being in Bermuda, and I said to myself out loud, this is the life. This is the coolest thing ever. I am in Bermuda, on the beach, but I'm working on this little device. Fast forward 10 years, and the iPhone came out, and I got an iPhone, but I didn't get rid of my BlackBerry, because if anybody listening ever had a BlackBerry, it was the best phone ever. So now I find myself... You know, I'm somebody who's always been a connector. I'm walking around my house and my job with two phones and trying to figure out how to integrate this technology into my life, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And in contrast to that moment in Bermuda, I, again, truly remember saying to myself out loud, I I can't believe this is my life. Like, what am I doing here with these devices? And was really stressed about it. And I thought to myself, you know, if... I'm struggling with this as someone who really values relationships and connection. What about everybody else? And so that began my journey looking at the impact of technology on connection at work.
0: Awesome. So it's interesting that like that sort of weird turning point for you was that technology came along and yes, it made things, it sort of, it made things better, but it also made things distant. And as we now are sitting in, you know, doing this on Zoom, uh, which is going to be probably word of the year for Merriam-Webster, <laughs> because like everyone's using it, it yeah, it is almost like it's the convenience, but then it's also the distance that comes with it.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, one of the things that one of the findings that I've had over the last three weeks with this with this quarantine is I often have talked about in my work finding the sweet spot between tech and connect. So how do we leverage all that's amazing about this technology and a lot of it is, but how do we also put that technology in its place and in its place being away. And what I am learning with with everything that's going on right now is that I'm I'm seeing you know we're all turning we're 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 looking up at each other more than we have, I think, since the iPhone came out, even though we're all connecting via technology. And there's this realization that human connection really does matter. And, I, and this technology can help provide it if we approach it with intention and presence, not just physical presence, but you know, I'm not gonna be having this conversation with you and multitasking on three other devices at the same time. Right. There's a lot that, that we're learning from this.
0: Yeah, it is, it, that's, you know, it's one of the things I sort of love and I hate about this. Like, I love the fact that, like, I actually have to pay attention because, like, I can't, like, check my phone or, like, while I'm on any of these sort of calls or conference calls or group chat, group chat. But then I also hate that because I like to multitask, <laughs> like, because I do want to be able to, like, do other things while I'm doing something else. But, you know, I think it's very much the idea of, like, us sort of needing a break and helping us focus in a way that's so necessary because I feel like I feel like I'm getting I think it's like it's better to be it gives us a better way to be smarter I almost feel and I feel like I'm a little bit smarter like because I I'm stretching different parts of my brain now because I'm home
1: right it's almost forcing you you know one of the ways I think about this is think about the the range of communications, of range of mediums from instant message and text and Slack to email to picking up the phone um, to Zoom and Skype to walking down the hall or seeing somebody, you know, you drive or take a taxi to see them across town. As we know, um, walking down the hall, unless you're in your own house and seeing people face to face, like those mediums are off the table. And so we need, and, and this gets to what you were just saying, which is, you know, you kind of want to multitask, but you want to be present, I talk about this concept of matching the message to the medium. So think about all the calls, let's say you have tomorrow, or the ones you might have, and think about how you can structure your day to best honor relationships, and honor relationships with colleagues, honor relationships with friends, Um, Getting in touch with your mom and also honoring your relationship with yourself and making sure, especially right now, it's so stressful that we all practice a little bit of self care. So, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, maybe there are a couple calls where you're on and you can multitask. Like, you know, you can say, Hey, Erica, why don't we just get on the phone tomorrow when we can kind of be alone together and we can chit chat, but I'm going to multitask and you multitask. But we sort of set set that up up front so I'm not offended. But then you know that you have some you know client calls and you have some other things or maybe somebody somebody that's going on that works with you that's having a tough time and really figuring out and saying to yourself what is the best medium of communication that can help me best honor that relationship especially with how heightened everybody's stress levels are right now
0: yeah cuz i think it's it is a kind of porty balance i mean i definitely think there is has been this sort of funky Fundamental shift and I noticed it today when I went outside for a walk. <laughs> because the thing that I noticed is that no one was on their phone. Everyone was looking up because you wanted to make sure you were six feet away. <laughs> and I, and I was like, this is interesting, because I'm like walking and I was walking with a friend of mine and so we were walking like three feet away from each other. Right. But like all the other people we saw, like I didn't see one person on their phone, like looking down at their phone, like everyone was looking around and like taking in where taking in New York. And I think that that ability to like give us a moment to like actually absorb is in spite of this being a obviously terrible situation, an opportunity for us to kind of grow and think inwardly a little bit about like, what's around us, where we go. Like I mean we were walking along and like I saw restaurants I'd never noticed before, probably because like, I'm on my phone all the time. Right. Right? So that level of appreciation definitely does begin to kind of come through in a very different way. And okay.
1: so, we keep so... I mean, we'll have to talk, we'll have to reconnect, you know, and have a post-corona conversation. But my hope is, is that we as a society, as a world, can figure out how to retain some of, some of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of this is important. Some of it's not so much. But the idea of sort of being locked in a box... Is obviously very very stressful, and that suffocation—whether you're in an apartment, whether you're in a house, whether you know wherever you might be—we still feel suffocated because we don't think, because we know everything is not okay, and so that level of stress, that level of trauma, and kind of PTSD is going to take a while for us all to realize and deal with along the way.
1: That's why it's even more important. Even though if we're on these calls and we want and are. We're twitching. Our arm is twitching because we want to multitask. It's even more important why we need to be both physically and mentally, psychologically present as we're interacting with people right now because they do feel suffocated, regardless of where we are. And there's and there's a lot of fear. You know, I've been talking a lot recently about how to bring your human to work when you can't bring your human to work. <laughs> yeah. You know how how do we do it and I was asked this the other day and I came up with, with you know, sort of a, a list of some things for everybody to think about, which which I think would be interesting for your listeners. You know, the first is be real and speak in a human voice. Um, you know, one of the silver linings to this, and for me, even when I watch, you know, if I'm watching Al Roker, you know, on, on the Today Show, it's like you get to see into people's homes, you get to see a kid go in the background or a dog that it's much more acceptable now. And I think we have an opportunity to build deeper and more personal relationships with clients and with colleagues, Be kind of because we have to, but I would urge people to just go with it. And people want people to be themselves right now. So that's something I, I think that will help us now, but will help us in, in the future. I would say another tip for people is when you're having a, a check-in. I mean, even before we start, you know, started on this call, you know, don't just jump right into business. And I'll ask people, how are you? Like, how yeah. are you? And some people will share more than others, but, but if you're running a team meeting, um, I would urge people to, to test that out. Somebody asked me, on a Zoom call the other day, well, what do you do if somebody on your team just sucks in all like all the energy and doesn't stop talking and it's awkward. You know, you can set up some rules of the road. Okay, everybody take 30 seconds or a minute and go around and tell us how you're doing. And if you feel like you're the bad guy, you know, set a timer. So it's the timer telling the person that you have to move on on to the next one. Um, And the last one is is think about rituals. Um, If you're in a company you know, or if you have a call with clients, I mean, I know you have a ritual in your company that that when people come into events, you know, you always welcome them by saying, welcome home, which as you know, I love, and you'll be in my my new book on rituals, which I just hey. handed in on hey. today. Yeah, oh, just, awesome. Phenomenal. Yeah, I just handed in the first draft. But think about you know, like if you're having a team meeting with your team, the first thing I would say if I'm you is welcome home, like people will get goosebumps. And so for people listening that are managing teams or, or you know, even a couple of people are getting on with clients, think about rituals that you have that you can maintain. And if you don't think about rituals in this new crazy world we're in where you that you can start them.
0: I think that's so true. I think you know, I you know even before this went completely bonkers and we were all locked in I started doing this and I recommended it to a lot of my colleagues like when we knew this was sort of coming and things were getting weird I was like just say hey how are you to your clients and just and, and it not be somewhere where I'm trying to sell you something it could it'd be it be over a text it can be over a facebook message or or a um or a quick email, like, they're just checking in, how are you? And because, like, you want to show your humanity. I think that the thing that worries me the most about this is that for every good human ex- activity and things that people are doing, then I see us another story where people are being awful and, you're like, and forgetting that, like, you have to have a creative humanity. This is a very scary situation. What's wrong with you? Um, but
1: I think you're right. You have to shift the approach into... I, I, I was having the same conversation with someone today about business development and can I call clients. Check in with people and really mean it. And think about a way that you can be of service to them. How are you? Can I help you brainstorm? I know your event had to be canceled. Do you want me to help you brainstorm? Maybe you can do it online. No, don't worry about me. I just want to figure out ways to help you.
0: Yeah, I think the, the, the idea of like shared generosity is what needs to really come through as a, when we were, uh, while we're in this you know, super weird situation. I mean, i met a really interesting people who've like, e- emailed and DM and texted me and just asked how I am because I know that I'm in the event business, and they're like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and it's been so refreshing because I've gotten to the reconnect with folks I haven't talked to in years, and it's like, well, yeah, this is crazy, but like, I'm, I'm so glad to hear from you. What are you up to? What's going right, on?
1: right. Right. You know, or, or you could think about putting together, you know, the D flash, you know, thought leadership on, I mean, you have so many strong principles about how you do events and how could somebody translate that if they want to right now do something inside their organization while we can't get together face to face. I mean, we all need to think about what our expertise is and how we can share it with the world.
0: And remembering that we're smarter than we think we are. Because I, I, I think oftentimes when we're in our day-to-day jobs, we get so often into that that we forget that actually, like, everyone has a cornucopia of skills. Like, you wouldn't have gotten to your level of success by only doing one thing really well. Yeah. It really comes from the makeup of who you are as an actual fully, full-bodied person. Mm-hmm. And this weird set of time kind of gives you opportunity to sort of take a moment and remark upon that, but also be like, oh, these are some other skills that I'm actually quite good at. Oftentimes, folks don't realize that. Like, most people don't realize I'm a really good marketing consultant. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because I'm the events person. Everybody knows. And I'm like, well, yeah, but my day job before I ever had that was being a marketer. And so I'm going to going back to that now because it's flexing a different muscle in my brain. It's been kind of fun to, to strategize that way. And the conversations I've had have been actually kind of like, you know, intellectually stimulating. So... You never know where you're going to end up, and, and having that kind of focused time to talk to people, it kind of enables that to happen.
1: Yep, like making lemonades out of lemons for right
0: now. Totally. So you've you know written obviously an awesome best-selling book, bring bringing them into work. What are you sort of telling some of your clients from that side of the house? Like, okay, I wrote this book around this, and now we're having this what are some strategies for companies to like not screw this up right away
1: so what i've been telling them i broke it down into what i call the three p's um the first is to prioritize relationships and again this could be a ceo it could be a manager of two people i mean it could be an individual contributor i mean it's anybody but in particular if you're running a company are you prioritizing relationships and i ask people to to really look inside and ask themselves this one question which is you know does your calendar reflect your values and you know how are you spending your time right now are you spending it reaching out to clients are you spending it with your employees are you spending it thinking about how you can give back in this crisis taking your factory and making masks or all these different ways companies are are, are helping. So that's the first P. And it, anybody listening can, can apply this to their own life. How are you prioritizing relationships, even making time for self-care, you know, we were talking about before. The second P is how are you positioning technology? And again, this gets to how are you leveraging it and how are you also sometimes at the end of the day, turning it off. And if you're running a company, I mean, there have been a number of people with whom I've spoken who feel like there's some boundaries being crossed and the bosses are calling at home 24-7 and so really thinking about leveraging technology like we're doing right now but also making sure that people can turn it off um because there's not that you're not going into an office and you're not then leaving the office and so there's a lot of blurred lines right now and really thinking about the role of technology and then the third P is protocols. And, you know, I, I often say, and you've probably heard me say this, that left to our own devices, we're not connecting. And even more so now, we need to be intentional about how we are connecting and, you know, intentional about setting the rules of the road. When when you connect with your teams, is everybody going to go around and say how they're they're doing or... How are you going to use mute? You don't want everybody talking at once. I mean, all of these different things we can't leave to chance. And so it's how do we connect with with intention? And you know, telling everybody you know you're going to make mistakes, and that's going to be okay. It's a learning curve for everyone. But um, you know, and then I would say just just being you as a leader going at this in a very human way will lighten the mood for everybody and there's just more room for error and more room for forgiving people when we all can add in a little fun add a little humor and just bring our humanness to these challenging times
0: yeah i think that that's so true i mean you know i saw a story about the company that started doing layoffs via zoom and i'm like oh oh, what are you doing no. Like, do you realize that like, the damage you're doing to your company? Like, I get it. And, like, obviously, it's something you have to do. But these are of the things that, like, you know, are no longer down with vacuum. There's this thing called the internet. And if I have to choose between travel company A and travel company B, and I do a cursory Google search, and the one that fired their employees on is option A, then no matter what they're pricing, I'm going to vote with my values and my values are going to be that I'm not going to work with a company that treated their employees that way. And I think for a lot of companies who are like, you know, assuming that their company is essential when they really aren't and telling people to come in, like, what's that? What do you think is going to happen as a result of that?
1: I I agree with what you were saying, that people are going to vote with their values. And I was listening to a podcast the other day with Danny Meyer and, and he had to lay off a lot of people. And he said, look, we did certain things right, we did other things not as well, he said, but we are all going to be remembered um, for what we did during this time, how we treated our employees, how we lived our values, what we did to give back. And so I do think that this is a really critical moment in time. Where you know I often talk about how do you get the values off the walls and into the halls, and these companies that have a set of values that are platitudes that people barely remember—that's just not going to cut it.
0: Yeah, it's a, you, you either back those up or keep them on the wall.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so I think you know you said it. You said it well. It's like I'm going to Google this, and you know I, I don't want to go work for that company that treated people like that. And yes, right now, unemployment is going to be higher, but that will level off. And at the end of the day, there's still, even with high unemployment, there is always a competition for top talent. And the top talent always has choices, always have and always will. And for sure, they are going to pick those companies that treated their people right in this tough time.
0: Oh, without question. It's, it, 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 will make, it, will, it will help companies what to survive and those it won't. Uh, so it's super duper important. Yeah, looking back on all the really awesome things you've done, what would you tell a 25-year-old?
1: I would tell her um, not to stress about having it all figured out at 25. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that, you know, to be open to different possibilities. I'm a big planner. I like to have everything mapped out. And some of the best things have come from spontaneity, so maybe if I could have learned that lesson a little earlier, um, you know who, know, who knows? Yeah,
0: it's, I think it's always really important to sort of to take a look, take a little bit of a stock, especially when we're, you know, women executives, where it's like, hey, you know, I've done a ton of really awesome stuff, and when I think about where I came from to where I am now, it's pretty, damn pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. So, okay, you've now built this really awesome platform. You have a new book coming out. What prompted you to write another book after the I know success right? Of-
1: I, I feel like it's like <laughs> childbirth, like you forget all the awesome, I mean the terrible parts about childbirth and go back and do it again. So I'm not quite sure <laughs> what what I was thinking. But while I was writing Bring Your Human to Work and, and talking to so many leaders, I kept seeing this theme of, of rituals come up in different places. And one day, I, I, it just occurred to me, I had this aha moment where I said to myself, oh my gosh, rituals are the tools of the of the human workplace. Like it, all of a sudden these dots got connected. And one of the reasons for writing Bring Your Human to Work and for looking at this idea around rituals is that, and it's crazy given that we're all remote right now, was that, you know, so a year ago when I thought about this, I said to myself, the world of work is going to become increasingly distributed. More and more people are going to work from home, not knowing it was going to be everybody. Uh, (laughs) Right. And we're going to have gig workers and part-time workers and freelancers and and the whole gig economy. And I said to myself that, so that train has left the station, number one. But number two, people still want to feel connected to each other and also to a brand, to where they work. And I really believe that rituals can be that glue that makes people feel connected. Because when you think about rituals in your own life or at work, there almost is this magical, you know, spiritual element to a ritual, which almost differentiates it from a rule or a protocol. Um, and so that's what I've spent the last year and a half looking at, that, that rituals give us many things but the two that i'm focused on in the book are they give us a sense of psychological safety and belonging and you know we talked about this with your events people walk in and they they you know you they you look at them and say welcome home and people are like they smile and they're almost shocked and you're creating this this feeling of of safety setting aside all the other amazing things you do to create that in your event um, the second thing that rituals do is gives us a sense of purpose, an opportunity to connect back to a mission, a mission of a team or a mission of a company. And so in the book, I talk about how the first P psychological safety sounds like an S, but as we know, starts with a P and the, first, and the <laughs> second P, which is purpose equals the third, which is performance that, that, you know, teams are more creative. There's a lot of science in the book as well, that. Companies and teams are more creative, they're more productive, and rituals play a big, big piece in that.
0: Yeah. If you treat people well, let them feel good, they'll perform well. It should be simple. <laughs> but folks don't get it. It's always, it always blows my mind. And so when is this? Yeah, so first drops in? January 2021. Awesome. So it'll be a great way to kick off 2021 when everyone will be raring to go and hopefully you're fully recovered from what will have been a very unique year <laughs> that's say the correct.
1: Now that's a really great way to, to put it right 2020 is going to be really defined in what we do in this crazy corona time and hopefully 2021 will be this rebirth of What can we take from what we learned from 2020?
0: Yeah, it's like where where we where do we go? Where, literally, where do we go from here? I like, I, I keep calling it the after, <laughs> I, But from like the zombie movies. Like it's the after. Once the zombies have come through, like yep. everyone comes up from underneath hiding. Like okay. okay, all right, what do we do next? So you know, in this time, it is stressful. I mean, like, I looked at my screen time on my phone and I was like, oh boy, Can I should put my phone down. <laughs> and then I was like, no. Uh, so, for you, what have you been doing for yourself? Care to like, take care of Erica? Because, you know, wife, mom, obviously, even if you're in a place where you have space, you still feel suffocated because you're all there at the same
1: time. Yeah. Not going well, like anywhere. Not easy. Well, I have been exercising, I've been going for a walk every day. Um, unless it's totally disgusting out, so I'm actually right after this call, I, I'm going for a walk, um, and just really trying to get get some air, like the fresh air. And I'm in the country, so I don't really see anybody, which is which is nice. Um, I've also been, you know, it's kind of linked to rituals in in my day, in my real life in New York. I go to I do Pilates every Tuesday with one of my closest friends and we have been you know it's tuesday at 8 a.m and we've been keeping to that schedule and and our pilates instructors doing it online oh nice you know it's good for physical self-care but it it's there is something really i I don't know it it, you know know if it sounds too woo-woo for this podcast but you know this like magical go for it of, of, (laughs) of, of of doing something now in this crazy time that I used to do every Tuesday at eight. Like, there's something about that that just feels feels good.
0: No, it's it's important. It is actually the thing that makes this feel okay. If you can retain a ritual that you had before this, because I think I think for a lot of folks they feel like they're losing themselves because like. You know, they're not getting out and going for their smoke break. They're not getting out and going out for lunch. They're not getting out and going to their class. that They would go and, you know, you'd see your workout buddies who were like, yeah. in any other circumstance, I would never be friends with this person. But like because we all take this spin class together, we always shoot, shoot the shit for like 10 yeah. minutes before the class starts. Like that, and that's now gone. So what can we do to sort of replace some, like retain some n- normal in this, I
1: was gonna say, it's funny you said the smoke break. There's actually a chapter in the new book called The No Smoke Break. Um, because <laughs> I mean, some people are still taking smoke breaks, but certainly not as many as, as used to be. But those smoke breaks back in the day were really important for culture and for connection. Totally. So I call it The No Smoke Break, but it's trying to build in time to take a break and connect. So it's kind of funny.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, when, I, when we were at our old co-working space, we used to have tea time. And yeah. so we started this thing where like, we would just like have, go over by like the tea maker, um, it was like a big coffee machine that made tea and espresso and all this other of stuff. And like, we would invite people to come join us for like at three o'clock and we would just like, go shoot the shit. And and we would learn so much about people who worked in our, in our co-working space that we didn't know. That we would you know, say hi and bye to you, but like never had a chance to talk. But, like, they would randomly come over. Like, we would order, like, some, like, cookies or something. And it felt like, oh, I, this is something I can control. And it's something that I do. And it feels good. You know, speaking of, like, that kind of ritual, like, I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of women executives a couple weeks ago. And they're, like, you need to put in an hour every single day that's your time. And that is for you to, like, either, you know dance in your living room, work out um veg out you know, you know eat a bunch of snacks but it's like your hour a day especially for women in business where yeah. you, it's just your time and drop it in your calendar so like, for and me i put it are, in the, like,
1: last on the list i mean women exactly are, and so i am doing that a hundred percent every day it's i'm probably trying to take even more than an hour but um i have to if i'm gonna then take care of everybody else that's here with me right now, I, you know, it's putting like, the oxygen mask on myself first.
0: Exactly, like you've got to put the oxygen mask on. Like, no matter how wacky and weird the situation is, if you don't take care of yourself, the ability for you to take care of anybody else, or anything else, won't happen. Yep, you are right. So, as part of the, you know, Corona Diaries, recent Corona diaries, I haven't figured out what I'm gonna call this series <laughs> of episodes. Um, asking our guests if they have a give or an ask. So what would your give and or ask be to the audience?
1: Um, Well, what I would say is um, I'll do a give and an ask. So my give is that every day from two to three, I am offering, I was an executive coach for a long time. So many people have been impacted and laid off. Um, And so people that I don't know have been signing up to chat for 15 minutes between 2 and 3 every day. So I'll send you the link and you can send it along, but you know, people awesome. can look at my website, but um you know, I have found that you know, it's people that have been laid off or people that want a different job or people that are having trouble focusing during the day, like all different I've talked to all different kinds of people. It's been really really interesting. Um, and in terms of an ask, I would say You know, if people, I would love for people, if they're interested in the topic, to buy the book. Um, More people right now are getting the ebook or the audio book because who knows when (laughs) real books are getting shipped. And I would love—I'm trying. One of my goals is to get more Instagram followers than my three teenagers combined. So (laughs) I'll follow you back. Okay. Well, we've got to have you beat your kids. How many kids? How
0: many followers are your kids at?
1: You know, they each probably have. I don't even know. Like, I I, I need to get to like five thousand.
0: Okay, all right. So we let like it help Erica get to five thousand Instagram followers. All right, I'm on this. I am um, including this in the show notes if I call. Awesome. Erica. <laughs> so that'll help you get a few hundred, I'm sure. Um, uh, but Erica, you know, I could talk to you for hours. Um, thank you so much. Um, it's always such a delight to see you, and 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 shoot and shoot the show with you. Um, because like you're just uh, one of the best people I know, and I greatly admire the work that you do. So thank you so very much.
1: Thank you for inviting me to be on.
0: Yeah. And so we'll put all the information about uh, Erica's 15-minute executive coaching sprints, um, as well as helping her get to 5,000 followers so she can beat her kids, because um, these things matter, which we'll uh, And that is our show.